0: Major funding for Theater Corner is provided by UC San Diego. And by the Westgate Hotel. Hoya Alcohol Research Incorporated. Signet Theater. And viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Theater Corner. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. As a lifelong theater enthusiast, and a board member for one of the top theaters in the country, I've seen firsthand the positive effects that diversity and inclusion can have on the stage and the theater seats. This interview series was created as a way to share my passion for theater and promote diverse voices throughout the national theater scene. We sit down with some of the top professionals in the entertainment industry to discuss training, careers, advice for young actors, and how to make theater matter to more people. Today, I got to sit down with two incredible actors, Wendy Raquel Robinson and Roe Boddy. Ms. Robinson is known for her roles in the Steve Harvey Show, Grand Hotel and The Game. We sat down at the Westgate Hotel to discuss her career, her conservatory and the difference between performing for a live audience or a camera. So, silence your cell phones, folks. You're entering Theater Corner.
1: Well, it's good to be it's here. It's
0: so wonderful to have you here. You are amazing. You're, we're talking about over 30-plus years of television, <laughs> television, <laughs> film, and theater. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. So what do you recognize that the, the Theater Foundation specifically has done for you? Uh, perhaps, I don't know, in preparing you for television and film or... Or what difference do you see that that you have uh, theater as a background?
1: For me, it's allowed me to go with the ebb and the flow, you know, and to make adjustments Mm. on demand, right on the spot, Uh, improvisation, uh, doing sketch comedy, Mm -hmm. you know, things that come very easily to me. I have to attribute it to my background in theater. You know, it's the overall foundation. you got to go for it. It's live. You can't uh, do another take. Right. You know, so you have to trust your instincts. You have to trust um, that first choice that you make to do anything with. And I think that's kind of catapulted me in almost every role that I've gone for.
0: So many of our viewers would recognize you from the, the early years of the Steve Harvey show. <laughs> God,
1: the early years. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, I
0: appreciate it. What was that experience like?
1: You know, it was it was a magical time. It really was. Uh, it was back in 1996. And the, the thing that's so bizarre about that, they had shot the pilot for the Steve Harvey show. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the pilot. Uh. The role of the principal—it was a old white Jewish guy who played <laughs> the principal of the high school. So after they bought the pilot, they picked up the show, and they were like, uh, "Something's missing. We want to give him a nemesis, you know, a female." You know, so they created this whole backstory, and uh, I had to go in, jump through several hoops. But I had done another pilot with Steve years ago. It was called Me and the Boys, mm. and it was on ABC. And Steve remembered me from that. So when it came down to even auditioning for it, uh, I'm not gonna say I had a shoe in, But I had a toe in, (laughs) because at least we had history, you know. But it was a magical time, because they were at the height of their career as the kings of comedy, he and Cedric. That's right. So, you know, it was fascinating. That's when we used to do shows in front of a live audience. Mm. So you talk about theater. Mm -hmm. Television, especially for camera, the traditional way, Mm -hmm. is it's a lot like theater. You're doing it live. There's the audience, you know, even though you have to do it a couple of times, but it's as live as life is going to be. And when you're working with comics, you don't know what they're going to say, mm-hmm. how they're going to go, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you just roll with it. So I think I've learned how to be the straight man as well as the funny man mm-hmm. and the warm man mm-hmm. in between.
0: And so what I'm hearing <laughs> also is there's that collaborative element that, that you have in theater as well. You're giving something to, the, to an audience mm-hmm. and you're getting something back.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's not even just the collaborative with the actor in the audience. It's also the writers. Mm. So the writers are there, you know, and it's like, oh, that joke didn't work. Ah, in between each take, they give you a new line. Mm. So it's not only being quick on your feet, but it's quick in uh, the delivery, the memorization, regurgitating the information mm. and hoping that you'll get the laugh. You know, so it's a, it's a constant being on your toes, being present and um yeah, just making it happen. But they're not there not that many shows that are done live anymore. Right, right. Everything right. is kinda transitioned to single camera, mm-hmm. which I miss that audience, mm-hmm. you know, because immediately you would get the okay, you'd get that energy, you'd get the um I don't want to say validation, but in a way that's what it is.
0: And then let's let's fast forward a bit and uh, you had a quite a long run on a on a show called The Game <laughs> where, you, where you played Tasha Mack. Yes. There's gotta be some great <laughs> memories. But what, what I mean, that's a different game altogether, so to speak, than mm-hmm. than Steve Harvey's show.
1: Absolutely. It ran ten seasons, but over a span of almost fifteen years. Hmm. So we started on the CW as a half hour live audience total different format and then the cw transitioned no audience and okay let's get a little bit more uh let's call it a dramedy so to speak Then uh, after three seasons, I believe, we were canceled by CW. Mm. And at the time, BET was interested in doing original programming, but it was so far-fetched. It was like, ah, it's not going to happen. So we were canceled by CW, but then the talks were still going on, you know, and cut to maybe about four years later, BET said they were ready, and we were (laughs) resurrected, Mm. Mm. and uh, brought to BET as a single camera show. It was a difficult transition in the sense of all of the characters stayed the same, the actors were the same, but we had to move the show to Atlanta. It was a new network, so there was no money.
0: Mm. So,
1: you know, we were working out of a warehouse that wasn't even... It wasn't even configured to a soundstage. So it's like, okay, where are we? It's freezing, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like, take the coat off and it's 105 degrees in your mind. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because the show was based in San Diego. Right, right. It, was, it was an interesting transition that kind of developed and migrated into something that's so, it's so precious and so magical, mm. you know, that I can really... I can barely describe it, you know. They're still looking to do reunions about the show. And wow. then we just got picked up from Netflix for Netflix. Now, that's so exciting. Like the gift that just keeps on giving. Right. You know, and Mara brockett who created the show, she's huge theater, theater buff. Um, but she always called us a little engine that could.
0: Mm. And then you went on to the magical OWN TV with uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, yes. Cherish the Day.
1: Another magical experience uh, for, for several reasons. Um, Cherish the Day is a, uh, is a new show that is on OWN, created mm. by Ava DuVernay, starring one of my theater babies from Amazing Grace Conservatory, <laughs> Zosha Rockamore, and uh, she's the lead actress in that. And uh, I got the call the day before, and it's like, Can you come in and do this part? And I was like, uh, sure. You know, (laughs) okay, you get an offer to do it. Had not seen the scenes, had not seen the dialogue, had not seen anything. I just knew I'd be playing a psychologist. So here's where theater comes in. It's like, oh, pages and pages of dialogue. And I'm like, oh my God, and I had to shoot the next day. So thank God the cast was all from theater. So we, w- we sat around and we ran the lines because it was just as new to them as it was to me. And um, we really created something that was memorable. I played a psychologist mm-hmm. and I was uh, counseling the young couple as uh, they were going through their marital problems, but it was a lot because it's that vernacular of, you know, being the doctor, but then also being, you know, I was a different kind, I was like a Neil Soul kind of doctor, you know, and it's like, come on, feel yourselves, you know, so I'm trying to find this character, but it's still pages of dialogue, so it goes back to taking those risks and uh, following your instincts that theater definitely embeds in you.
0: Let's talk about uh, the conservatory that you co-founded, Yes. Uh, in Los Angeles, California. What what exactly happens there?
1: Wow. So 23 years ago, my best friend and I, Tracy Coley, two struggling artists, mm. pretty much we put our heads and hearts together and created a curriculum and found a wonderful place to rent. And uh, we started teaching young people the arts, mm. acting, voice, dance. Yoga, creative writing, spoken word. But beyond that, we gave them a platform to simply be themselves mm. in a non-judgmental environment. And um, especially today, you know, and and e- even then, you know, there are just so many things that we tell our young people to just say no to this and just say no to that. But we gave them a platform to say yes, wow. unashamedly. Mm-hmm. And I really pride myself and and. I think more than just creating artists, we create incredible human beings that have a platform that know who they are and what they want to do right. and are unashamedly proud of it.
0: And you've birthed some significant stars. Can you, <laughs> you name a couple of the alumni that are, that are, are significant names now and doing their thing in, in film?
1: <laughs> I'm so proud of Ashton Sanders. Uh-huh. He was in Moonlight, right. uh, won the Oscar, Uh, He's done Equalizer, Two. He's in the Wu-Tang Clan series and uh, has several movies on Netflix right now. But more than anything uh, that he's done in the industry, he's created the Ashton Sanders Scholarship Mm. that goes to an African-American male, Uh. very specific. He funds it. And uh, that's going on to higher learning in the arts, Mm. a four-year accredited university. He's a graduate of DePaul. So he wanted somebody that's going on in that trajectory. So that's pretty huge to see a young man that's accomplished but still has the wherewithal to give back. And wow. I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of. It's like you can go on and get all of the accolades, but then what? What are you right. really doing? So Etha um, Ray, uh, of course, you know, Emmys and um, all of that and incredible work. Elle Varner, she's a uh, Grammy-nominated artist. Mm. Singer, recording. Uh, Brian Nicole Brown, she just completed Empire. She was a series regular on that, wow. uh, doing some incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Christopher Babers, he's the head of Awesomeness TV. Thomas Hobson, Ovation Award winner. He's still making a living as a theater actor, wow. you know, in Los Angeles, right. which is not an easy feat <laughs> no, to do. No kidding. Uh, he's very talented, Yale graduate. Um, so there's so many. I know they're going to kill me. It's like, Miss Wendy, you didn't say who's who. But um, I just want to say overall, I'm so proud of each and every one of them. And I do feel like the proud mom. Right. I really am.
0: No, I mean, it, it <laughs> seems like, I mean, you you're planted seeds and, and, and mm. there's the fertilizer, but, but there's also the love that you, you provided uh, those former students uh, to help you. them develop into what they are today. That's Thank beautiful. You. Thank you, you know. and it's
1: not easy running a nonprofit.
0: Right, <laughs> there's
1: no profit in the nonprofit, <laughs> but it's the passion and definitely the purpose, and to see them transition from day one, being mm. in class and being cloistered and here, and right. just to see what the arts does and what theater does is transformative work, mm. and to see them take their bows at the end of that production, and to know that there's that sense of accomplishment that sense of purpose, that sense of pride. It's inexplainable.
0: Wow. Next, we're at the Signet Theater in Old Town to meet up with actor Rob Body to talk about his performance in the one-man show Every Brilliant Thing. We had a great discussion about his role, training, and having illegal fun. <laughs> Welcome to Theater <laughs> Corner, right? Thank you, my friend. Thank All you. All right. You're in San Diego. Back at the Signet. Yeah. You you've been here before. Yeah,
2: yeah. Done uh three plays here now. Stupid, Effenbird, I <laughs> don't want to say that word. Um <laughs> Seven Guitars and uh King Hillary the Second.
0: The play you're performing in this time is Every Brilliant Thing, mm-hmm. directed by Rob Lutfi. Mm-hmm. This is a one-person show. Yes. Um <laughs> sort of. And so
2: there's a lot of audience participation. Uh, the play centers around a list uh, that I write when I'm a 7 year old boy, because that was around the time that my mom first attempted suicide.
0: Mm.
2: On the way to the hospital, my dad says that she can't see anything worth living for. And so I start a list of, of every brilliant thing in the world that's worth living for. Mm. And so what's immersive about this play is that at the beginning, There's no blackout, uh, no curtain will rise. I will be outside in the lobby. I will be talking, mingling the people and giving them slips of paper with a number on it. And whenever I call out that number throughout the show, they have to yell out with their biggest voice whatever that item is on the list. Ah. And so throughout the play, I, I mean, I go all the way up to a million. But I'm also telling the story of from age seven to her last attempt. And um, taking you guys on that journey with me, and certain audience members will be playing certain characters mm. in my life too. Uh, it's not a lot of lines or anything. They're basically just there to help me tell the story. And so it's very, it's a one man show, but it it can't just be me. And so it's almost an everybody show. Right. Right. <laughs> you know.
0: So, so a one man show. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is no small bees. This is not the simple thing either. No. I mean, so how how are you been? preparing for this? It's about 52 pages Uh um, of lines, and so I
2: came to the first day of rehearsal off book, and we started rehearsal a week ago, and so we had a week of rehearsal, Mm -hmm. we have a week of tech, and then we open the show. And so this is a quicker process than normally. Normally you get three weeks of rehearsal. You go into tech, and then you (laughs) open the show. And so I've had to speed it up a lot, and that's taught me a lot about losing an expectation of a result you know going being easy on yourself as far as embracing a role like this that really talks about really heavy issues and mm-hmm. i mean a lot of people who have dealt with you know things like mental illness or mm-hmm. been affected by it because we've all in some way or another been affected by Certainly. someone who has um suffered from that they will have a different experience i feel like um and My goal with this performance is to get a dialogue going about it because I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it. There's a stigma about it. And so once that dialogue starts to happen, I feel like the healing process will begin for a lot of people. And so...
0: You say that you showed up off-book. And I say, of course you did. (laughs) Because you're you're that kind of actor. Yeah. Got to go hard (laughs) or go home, man. Right, right. This is quite challenging, I mean, for for you as the the actor. I mean, on stage. And it's only you, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. For almost 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you you expecting that to be? Uh, I mean, Uh,
2: you know, it's... uh, I mean, I know you're
0: up for the... You're up for the challenge. Yeah, but
2: you know, you always want those roles that's gonna give you little butterflies mm, in your stomach. Mm. You know, you want those roles that's gonna you know scare you a little bit because if you're doing it and you're you're that that isn't there, it's like why 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 are you doing that role? Uh, why are you portraying it? What are you learning from it if you're not risking something? Right. And so every night I'll be risking something because I want people to think when they come to see this show. While they're mingling with me outside, once I start talking here, that they're talking to row, mm. and forgetting that they came to see a play, and if I do my job right, it'll be effortless, right, and people right. will, and people will come up to me afterwards, and you know,
0: ask me, did this really
2: happen? <laughs> you know,
0: and yeah, you got a BFA, North, North Carolina, Carolina. School of the Arts. yes, yeah. uh, and and you've just been going nonstop since then, what it, what it looks like. I've been blessed. Know. I've been blessed, yes. <laughs> you've been doing theater uh, and you've been doing film and television. Yeah. Let's talk about that theater foundation.
2: Well, North Carolina School of the Arts, you know, we got a little bit of Meisner um, training, but it was really heavy on Stanislavski training, and so given circumstances, what, why, when, mm-hmm. how, you know, those terms uh, as if, like so, for instance, um, I'm putting myself in the shoes of another character. This character, for instance, this one, my mom actually has never suffered from mental illness mm-hmm. or attempted to take her own life. But if she if she had, you know, so you know, we got training in that and also lecoq mask work. It's been nice utilizing all of those all of those skills. But it was Michelle Shea, was a Wilsonian who directed me in gym of the ocean that Mm. gave me another tool. She, she started doing this thing with us who were in gym of the ocean, the cast members called healing sessions. Mm. And I didn't know what it was, but she would do these healing sessions on us before, you know, we would do shows. And I just remember me being so open and it was easy for me to access different things. And I was like, what is this? And, what she taught me is that sometimes the body actually gives you more information and knowledge than the mind does. And so what is your body telling you in this moment? You know, and she, she taught me how to work with energy, mm. you know, which was an- another tool. So, for instance, in life and also on stage, people are doing either four things. They're pushing someone away, they're pulling someone in, they're stopping someone, or they're allowing. Mm. And what that does is, all of a sudden, I get out of like, what am I doing? What am I action in this scene? <laughs> blah blah blah. And I just like right now, I'm trying to pull you into me, to get you to understand what I'm saying. And it's 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 right. subtle, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. on film, it it works wonders because the camera is right there on you. And so if I can like stop someone with my energy, without having to you know really muscle it, it. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to, you know, practice those tools. And so she directed me in Floyd, mm-hmm. as Floyd, uh, in Seven Guitars. And she directed me in Jim of the Ocean. And I learned so much from her about the rhythm of the text and um, just that energy work for sure.
0: You've done a great deal of August Wilson. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I saw you perform the Seven Guitars here as mm-hmm. as Floyd. Yeah which you've done more than once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned this, this, this rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, that, that goes with this August Wilson piece. Because yeah. you, you've done Shakespeare as well. And then mm-hmm. there's this thing of, if you can do Shakespeare, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. because this is, But I, I would argue it's the same thing with August Wilson pieces. Because the, there is that rhythm that you find in Shakespearean pieces as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a musicality in, for me in every play that I read. Mm. And once I find the rhythm, it's effortless. I start to be drawn into the character. Uh, The character brings me closer to them, and I'm not trying to bring the character closer to me. And some way, somehow, we start to merge. You know, the deadly part of when you go to see Shakespeare or August Wilson is when people are acting between lines Mm. or when they're breaking it up and they don't realize that the work that they're doing in between those lines will easily come out if they just keep saying the lines, hitting the important words, you know, elongating vowels and finding the staccato with the punctuations. And once you find all of those things, it's so it's so juicy, man. It's right. just so much fun to just get up there and all of a sudden, you know, two hours have gone by and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you've changed some lives or yours have been changed, you know. Mm-hmm. It's,
0: As the actor... It, in, in television or in, in theater, which, what's your approach to getting out of the way? Even as as an actor, getting the actor out of the way of the character, so the character
2: can be not being so result oriented. That's what really happens when I when I know that I've done all the work that I I can do, and I just hit the stage and I just let it all work on me um, instead of trying to do more work. That that really helps me. Um, and it helps me to release. Um, uh, Michelle Shea calls um having illegal fun. It feels so good that it, it, it you know, it has to be illegal, <laughs> you know. And all of a sudden you let go, you release, and you know, it's hard to not take it home with you. You know, when I first started, it was I was such a obsessive artist, you know. I would, you know, you and you should be to a certain extent, but you also have to practice self-care, you know, um like a role like this. You know, the places I have to go to, mm-hmm. um, imagining that my mom succeeded one day with taking her own life, all of these things. When I hit that door, I have to leave it here because yeah. if I take it home with me and I dwell on it, you know, yes, you may think you're doing great art when you return to the theater, but you're not really taking care of
0: you, mm. you know, and your instrument. One thing I really admire about you as as an actor is you, you really take ownership, uh, so to speak, of, of your career. I mean, uh, yeah. you, you really take this serious. Yeah. I mean, I, you talk about having, a, you know, creating relationships with your casting uh, directors mm-hmm. and, and such. Yeah. What got you to that point? What, did there, was there a lesson learned or, or you just kind of figured it out on your own or? I am just madly in love with
2: it. Mm. That's all, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, it's like being in love with the, A partner you know I I have a certain responsibility you know to you know keep the love going to you know keep the marriage going to make it flourish Um, and so that's the same with with my passion you know I'm I'm lucky enough to have found one you know some people go their whole lives and they don't they don't they just work and they work and they work and I was lucky at the age of 17 when I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life and my guidance counselor (laughs) filled out my electives, put me in a drama class, didn't know what that was, and <laughs> I did my first monologue, and people's faces, I was like, finally, I know what I'm good at, and I know what, and it just happens to be what I love. People are saying I'm really good at it for the first time, mm. good at something for the first time in my life, up to that point, mm. and I love it, and so, I mean, it was game on since then. So yeah, there's a responsibility when I walk through these doors and I have to deliver a performance. If I'm, if I'm coming in and people have paid $60 for a ticket mm. or more, mm-hmm. and I'm giving $20 worth of a performance, right. you know, it, it just can't fly. And so maybe i take it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, but I feel like you have to, yeah. you know? I feel like
0: you, you have to. It always amazes me the insight these incredible performers are able to give. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Michael Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode of Theater Corner.
1: Support for this program comes from the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund, supporting new ideas and programs for San Diego.
0: Watch the full interviews and more at www.theatercorner.org.